What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on the Apple Podcast and on Spotify, and you can uh, listen to or you can follow the uh, social pages on uh, Twitter and Facebook for the latest updates. Uh, this week, uh, we got Mike Craddy back on the program. We're talking Bruins. Uh, Mike, it's playoff time. Uh, what's going on? Just waiting on bated breath at this point, like I feel like all of us are. So just excited Celtics today, and then uh, Bruins-Panthers start on Monday with all the rest of the series getting going early yeah. in the week. So it's an exciting time. It's going to be exciting next few months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, exciting time in the city of Boston. You know, both teams opening up uh, at home. You know, Bruins, obviously, with the great season that they had, well, talk about that shortly but um yeah you know it's a great time to to be a fan I think that you know both of our teams especially especially the Bruins have a great chance of doing something special um so I thought you know starting off we could just kind of get into talking about the historic season that the Bruins had and just kind of talking all about that I feel like the long time that you and I have known each other this is by far the best team we've ever seen. Yeah, and it seemed like they were breaking a new record or two every week for a good yeah. stretch of the year. Um, they battled injuries to start, even some later in the season. I mean, we saw Hampus Lindholm have this breakout season his first year as a Bruin. Mm-hmm. Um, DeBrusque matches career high in 18, while missing 18 games. Postonark had 60 goals. Allmark didn't even lose double-digit games. Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark were like top five in goals against and save percentage. Like it's just an unheard of season. And um, I don't know how you can't be ultra confident in this team going in against anyone. Yeah. 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 It's hard not to be, you know, I think you look at how dominant they were, particularly at home, you know, lost four games in regulation. And so, you know, having the home ice makes you feel very confident that, okay, this is a team that rarely lost at home and they're going to be able to start every series, presumably with the first two games at home. So, you know, that's been huge. What are some things that surprised you about the season? I think the biggest thing for me is like how good Olmark was. Mm. Like last year we saw Igor Shesterkin, you know, steal the spotlight and the crease, you know, across the leagues, the top goalie. Potentially a guy that can win the Hart Trophy, you know, it'd be hard this year with McDavid's season. But, right. um, like, are we just going to see one goalie do this every year now? Like, mm-hmm. he had a better year than Shesterkin. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. Um, he was the biggest surprise for me. And back to Lindholm, too. Like, I knew he was going to be good, but I didn't know he was going to be this good. Um, he's so good at denying zone entries. He boosted the neutral zone with ease. He's so smart. He's, he does things so calculated. He kind of reminds me of, like, a defensive version of Krejci, the way he, like, processes things. And, like, he doesn't always do everything with, like, high speed. Mm-hmm. He, like, really calculates things as he makes decisions, kind of like how Krejci does. You'll see Krejci, you'll hit the blue line. He'll kind of, like, skid to the right, skid to the left, and kind of, like, survey his options. Like, a lot of people don't do that. And, like, Lindholm just like what a monster trade, what a, a yeah. job saving trade for Sweeney. Then you have um, Zaka have, you know, career year, Jeremy Swayman build on what he had last year. I'm not going to say I'm surprised by 
Pasternak scoring 60 completely, but I I was a little bit surprised to see him hit it because I was like, okay, we'll pencil him in for 45-50 and that'll be fine. But he went above and beyond 113 points too. Um, it was crazy. And, you know, once they made the Orlov and Hathaway trade, I thought they were done. The biggest surprise to me, I think, all season outside of like on-ice play was how Don Sweeney just said, screw it, and threw a first-round pick in like a fourth or fifth, I think it was. For Tyler Bertuzzi, like mm. you could have easily been done after the Orlov Hathaway trade, and that wasn't the case. So yeah. it's been a year full of surprises with the Bruins in a just a, a wild year in so many aspects, top to bottom. Yeah, you know it's so interesting that you talked about Lindholm because he was so important at the first, you know, for in the first couple of weeks, months of the season when you had a couple of those guys, you know, out because of the surgery, he was huge. You know, he really was there number one guy and now it's like now even adding Orlov you have three guys in your lineup that are all you know kind of play as number one defenseman which is you know just kind of unbelievably unfair um I think for me I was really pleased and kind of surprised with the year that Frederick had you know 17 goals was really just really kind of just seemed to grow into his game that like, okay, this is exactly the player that the Bruins thought they were getting when they picked him in the first round in 2016. You know, it took a while, but that was great just to see the Bruins get more out of him. And then, you know, Zaka obviously had an amazing year as well, and that was surprising to me. I didn't think he was that good. Yeah, the thing with Frederick that I think was so important is um, something resonated in his early relationship with Montgomery where – He's cut out kind of the BS, like the extracurricular, uh, extracurriculars, sorry. After the whistle too much, he picked the right spots to, you know, defend his teammates or, you know, try and spark the team. Mm -hmm. And it unlocked his offense. Like Montgomery has shown in the past, you know, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas are very different players than um, Trent Frederick. Mm -hmm. But I forget who on the St. Louis B wrote about this, about how when Montgomery was there, he really worked closely with, uh, Kairou and Thomas to help unlock the next step of their offensive game. Mm. And I think the two guys you can point to on the Bruins for that um, are Frederick and DeBrusque because yeah. Montgomery wanted DeBrusque in that top line and it worked. Mm -hmm. And you can clearly see how much more willing uh, Frederick was to take chances on offense and, you know, drive to the net, you know, and go for scoring chances a little bit more, more so than like rebounds, like gritty goals. He became a legit, like, shooting threat more so than just close to the net. And, I mean, good timing for it, too, because he's a pending RFA. So it's going to it's gonna uh, boost his wallet a little bit more so than he if he, you know, played his conventional style that we've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. um, just another stroke of genius that Montgomery has, you know, really transformed this team. And Frederick yeah. is one of those ways he's done it and changing his game and changing the trajectory of his career. Yeah, I think just for me, just one other thing I was going to mention is Clifton and Carlo. I thought that they really kind of evolved more as players this year, especially Clifton. It seemed like the way that he played was a lot more reined in this season. There was less of him being like reckless, and it seemed like it really helped his game. And then Carlo, I think, you know, never a guy that's going to score a lot of points, but I think really responded well to the 
new system of defensemen being more involved in the rush. And I think it really helped his game this year. Yeah, and even Carlo put up like a decent amount of points for his standards. He had 16 points and a Mm -hmm. very quiet plus 44 rating, which, you know, plus minus is very subjective. I'm not, you know, I think it depends on the player. Right. But it's it's really crazy how him and Clifton stepped up this year. I think playing with Lindholm a lot really helped Carlo because, you know, Lindholm does a lot of the puck moving. It's like a a super upgrade on Grizzlick because Grizzlick can move the puck in transition, but Lindholm's just a different beast. He's bigger. Um, he brings a lot of the, you know, qualities that Grizzly does, but just he's on a different level. He's got the size, he's got the reach, um, and they're both very intelligent. Yeah. yeah, I think that's huge because, you know, Grizzly and Carlo in concepts, like, should be a good pairing, but it just wasn't working last year. And the fact that they had Lynn home to use as an option for Carlo, um, and then they brought in Orlov, and they tested them out a little bit too. They just have so many more options than they have in the past. Mm-hmm. that if they need to switch things up, they have like a bevy of riches of combinations to the point where like, I don't know if there's any team in the playoffs that can really like match up with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they've clearly been not only the best team, but the deepest team this year. And I think, you know, getting Orlov in the trade made them even deeper. Um, you know, I think getting more into kind of the thinking about playoffs I'm kind of curious about what their lineup is going to look like Monday. You know, I think still have a couple guys that are coming back from injury, you know, not totally sure what it's going to look like. Um, what are your like thoughts about that? Yeah, I think one definite you can pencil in is Marshawn Bergeron and DeBrus being together. Then with Krejci looking to be back, I honestly think it's in their best interest to, you know, a lot of people want to keep Bertuzzi and Postnar together, and I, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. But I think Bertuzzi could adjust to that third line role better than, not like this isn't like a, a slight on Zaka, but I think he can adjust better, mm-hmm. and he'll add some some snarl, mm-hmm. and maybe help wake up Taylor Hall because like Taylor Hall had some moments when he came back from injury, but he's still getting his feet back under him. He had right. a little bit of a downer of a season. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good balance and Zaka played so much with Krejci and Pasternak, especially in the second half of the season where mm-hmm. I think it's in your best interest to keep that combo together. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, Bertuzzi and Pasternak, like I said, are very good versus, you know, you have that combo together and then Bertuzzi can find some comfortability and pretty much give you a second, second line. So I think either way they go is not a bad choice, but I think, Sliding Bertuzzi to the third makes more sense because of you know Zaka's comfortability um, mm-hmm. on the second line, but it's a good problem to have. Um, of course, yeah. Th- the interesting thing is going to be the defense because, like we just talked about, they have so many options. Like they could go Orlov on the top pair, they could stack and go Lindholm and McAvoy, or they could go Grizzly and McAvoy. I think a big thing for them um, in terms of the bottom half of the defensive core is like, are they comfortable with Orlov? and Lindholm being the top two, and then Grizzly and Clifton. Because I feel like Grizzly and Clifton haven't played together a ton this year. So maybe mm-hmm. they want to go Orlov and Clifton, Grizzly, McAvoy, Lindholm, and Carlo. But it goes back to that that depth. And, you know, you have a good problem to have with, you know, you mm-hmm. have all these different combinations. You can switch it up on the fly within reason. You know, it's kind of stressful sometimes. But yeah. if you can switch up um, on the fly and do it well, it's going to confuse the hell out of the Panthers. Yeah, and make you really hard to game plan for and keep up with. So, 
it's a it's a really interesting thing to monitor going into this series and i'm excited to see how they do it because they could really uh they could really put the pedal to the metal and end this series quickly if they do it right yeah yeah i'm curious to see if you know the matchup against the panthers has anything to or if the bruins choose to play grizzly with mcavoy is that if that is kind of a, a matchup dependent thing that you know if they were to play the islanders would they play orlov with mcavoy you know i feel like with the panthers they're going to be trying to play more of a wide open style and you know grizzly and mcavoy i think can play that game really really well um but you know i think you make a good point about the bertuzzi thing i think it makes a lot more sense to to move him down just because i think you know, Zaka and the, the checkmates have done so well this season, particularly in the second half. Um, you know, curious to see what that fourth line looks like. You know, you're going to have no second half away and presumably Frederick's in there, you know, until Felino comes back healthy. Um, did you have a thought about that particular group? Yeah, I have to imagine when Felino's back, Frederick unfortunately gets the bump because... Mm -hmm. He brings more offense than Nosek. That's not a secret, even though, you know, Nosek had a two-point night late in the season and got his 100th point. But, um, yeah, it's just – it goes back to that same thing. It's, like, a good problem to have. If, if you're deep enough to the point where, like, how Trent Frederick is playing, he's out of your playoff lineup. That just shows how stacked you are. And I think Montgomery's comments about, like, probably, like, four or five days ago about how much Felino means was kind of, like, a precursor to, like, if he's healthy, he's going to be in. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate for Frederick, but they value Nosek a lot on the penalty kill. He, especially this past like month, I feel like he's been an absolute like cyborg on the faceoffs. Yeah. Like I feel like I've seen multiple games where he wins like 90% of his faceoffs. Mm -hmm. Like that's just, that's crazy. And um, yeah, I think we'll see, you know, typical fourth line deployment. I think we'll see them deployed a lot in defensive zone draws and, um, heavy on the four check Felino and Hathaway will you know be in guys like uh, Forsling and Ekblad and um, Montour's grill all game um, and I, I talked about this the Tampa Bay game where Hathaway scored the game winner in that um, in that two to one win yeah this is the time of year you got Hathaway for that extra physical edge a gritty goal every once in a while and to you know really like make opposing defensive uh, defensemen um uncomfortable so yeah. yeah i think it's unfortunate that frederick's probably going to get the bump but i don't know i think they could kind of work him in with nosek like every once in a while they throw him in and uh sit nosek put fred we've seen frederick do well in spurts at uh, center so mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing to see how they monitor that i'd be surprised if they did this but maybe felino swaps out for frederick every once in a while mm -hmm. it's a uh, mm -hmm. it's an interesting conundrum but yeah i mean I have I have no doubts in Montgomery's lineup management. He hasn't really given me a reason to doubt him. So sure. um, I'm interested to see how it uh, plays out. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as like extra D depth, you know, you'd have to think if, you know, Forbert becomes healthy, he's kind of that, that extra guy, which I'm totally fine with. I think, you know, initially right after they got Orlov, there was kind of a little bit of a concern that, some of those defensemen had not exactly, you know, stood out to be like, okay, these are guys that are going to immediately be in your playoff lineup. I think they've gotten better as of late. You know, your Cliftons, your 
your Grizzlicks, your guys like that. And so I think having Forbert be in your extra D, perfectly fine with that. Yeah, and it'd, it'd be a different story if, like, when Forbert got hurt, the penalty kill fell off the face of the earth, but it didn't, which was really nice. And, you know, that kind of, like, highlights that Forbert somewhat isn't as important to the penalty kill as we thought, but it doesn't, you know, change the fact that he is an excellent penalty killer. But, like, in terms of a skill set, unless, you know, Florida's really thriving on the power play early, you can kind of live with having Forbert out of the lineup now because mm-hmm. not only has your penalty kill been good, you've gotten penalty kill dividends from Orlov. Like, yeah. I'm not sure if that was the plan, if they, mm-hmm. you know, saw him as a big penalty killer or it just right. changed once Forbert got hurt. But, like, mm-hmm. he's been awesome on the penalty kill, and he's he has these games every once in a while where he's playing, like, three or four minutes on the penalty kill per game. Mm-hmm. So they're already relying on him help, uh, heavily. I don't really remember if he played in the penalty kill a ton in Washington, but it's a great option to have if you need to plug and play him because he's aggressive. He moves the puck well and he's smart. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully the penalty kill can hold up because um, they're going to have to stop Matthew Kachuk in particular. So, yeah. Well, speaking of Matthew Kachuk, um, you know, kind of looking at the Panthers, how they match up with the Bruins, um, you know, I think, a lot of us were a little maybe concerned that they would have to play the Islanders, have to play this, you know, physical kind of grind it out style. That's not the case. They're playing Florida. You know, it's not to say Florida is going to be an easy opponent because they do have a lot of talented offensive guys. But I think, you know, goaltending defense, it's certainly not a team that you're going to be kind of nervous to play against. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is a team that went through a huge change in the offseason, and it'd be a little more concerning for them as, like, a matchup if they still have Mackenzie Weger. But losing Mackenzie Weger in that trade really changed the outlook of their defense. Like, their defense took a big hit. Aaron Ekblad's uh, effectiveness took a hit. And, you know, Barkov and Verhage up front were good, along with Kachuk, but Kachuk is their, like, only real, like, play driver like driving offense. I think he's their main guy. He's going to be in the top five for the hard trophy. I think this year Um, he's pretty ridiculous to be honest. Like he didn't, he didn't lose Goudreau and Lindholm and fall off the face of the earth. Um, He's still very good. Barkov's the middleman, like the smart, like Datsukian type of uh, two-way center. And then Verhage quietly scored 40 goals. So but like those guys, I feel like don't drive offense quite the same way that Kachuk does. So make that makes Kachuk the main guy to stop. But that's not to say there are any slouches. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing to see how Florida adapts to this is Sam Bennett's currently on IR. And I don't know when he's coming back. He's a perfect playoff type of guy. Sure, it didn't really work last year for them. But like his playing style is very suited for playoff hockey. So that could be a real sour point for their, um, for their depth. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that play, uh, plays out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to, um, so obviously with the goaltending, you know, Bobrovsky is there. Alex Lyon is there. He played a lot down the stretch. Yeah. You think it's possible that we see Bobrovsky at some point, because I think as well as Lyon has played down the stretch, if the Bruins get off to a hot start, win the first two games, 
do you think that they could make that make a switch? Yeah, for the for the Bruins standpoint, I kind of hope they do like a two two one, but I could see them riding Olmark the whole way. Um, I imagine the the Panthers are just going to ride Alex Lyon as okay. until like Bobrovsky comes back. I'm not sure what his health situation is like, but mm-hmm. even if he's back, I don't know if they'll play him. Like coming off an injury, a guy that's not the most like rock solid in the big moments, they might just go with their guy because. You know, Alex Lyon's an AHL goalie more often than not, but, like, he's been huge for them lately. Mm-hmm. Ever since Keith Kachuk kind of called them out, I think Matthew Kachuk took that upon himself to lead the guys into, like, hey, we're not this soft team. Like, we're going to make the playoffs. And um, I think Alex Lyon has been a huge part of that. You know, he's not a perfect goaltender, but, like, he could have done a lot worse in this situation he was put in. Sure. But – um Man, it's kind of crazy to look at the polar opposite goalie situations in mm. this series. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for the Bruins, you know, Olmark's probably going to be the guy. I mean, I think that people have floated around the idea of, like, giving Swayman a game or two, but it's like, I I would say, unless things really go terribly backwards, you know, Olmark's probably going to be the guy that starts most of these games. Yeah, you have to imagine so. Like, Swayman's so good, but Olmark was so, so ridiculous this year that yeah, it's kind of work. I feel like the NHL is going to go through a transition where we see more splits, you know, depending on how it's, you know, it's every other game or 2-2-1, depending on, you know, the tandem you have. Mm-hmm. Because even in the regular season, like we don't see as many guys like nearing like 65, 70 starts. Like that time is pretty much over. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how that's going to translate into the playoffs. And the Bruins could be one of those teams that, you know, sees a 2 2 1 approach. I yeah. doubt they go every other, um, they switch off games, but they could, mm-hmm. um, especially if, you know, one of them, God forbid, struggles. Yeah. But it's an, it's a, it's quite the thing they have to monitor because, um they they just have a they just have a tandem that's unprecedented in the league so yeah 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 it is pretty amazing those two guys you know it was like it's the maybe the first team ever with one goalie with 40 wins and then another goalie with 20 i mean that's unbelievable and it's just a a testament to you know the coaching but also just how good the defense has been i think like Going from Cassidy to Montgomery, you know they kind of kept most of the kept kept most of the defensive system in place, and it's been you know unbelievable. I mean, they've had such an amazing defensive season. Yeah, and like we talked about with the Matting Orlov, like you have a great defense, and they really didn't necessarily need to add a big time defenseman, but they did, and like yeah. that just. It's kind of like an FU move in a way. Like they could have been like, all right, we'll get Hathaway and we'll get Bertuzzi and we'll right. fortify our depth. But like, let's get Orlov too. Like, let's yeah. let's just really stack the deck. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's gonna be something. It's gonna be a spectacle to watch because, like we talked about earlier, like I can't think of many defensive cores this deep that I've like mm-hmm. ever seen. Yeah. Like in a in a year that Eric Carlson doesn't score hundred points. We could realist we could have realistically saw McAvoy and Lindholm in the top three for the Doors. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah. 
with like Adam Fox. And that's nothing against Kel McCarr or Yossi or anyone like that. Yeah. But like Lindholm and McAvoy are two of not the two best all-around defensemen in the league with Adam Fox yeah. right now. Like it's it's pretty obscene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, we've obviously talked a bit about the Panthers. Who are some other teams in the East that you think could be the Bruins like toughest toughest opponents? I've maintained all year that it's Carolina and even without Stashnikov for the rest of the year. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure what Pacioretty's health situation is like right now. Okay. Um it's still Carolina for me. Um part of the reason they matched up well last year is because Tony D'Angelo really stepped up, but they don't have him, but they're still a really good team. They replaced him with a um an aging Brent Burns, but still an effective Brent Burns, way more effective than I thought he was gonna be this year, to be honest with you, because I think his defensive game really fell off the last couple of years in mm-hmm. San Jose, but they're still formidable. And um I think losing Sveshnikov is gonna be like a rallying thing for them mm-hmm. where, you know, guys are going to have to step up and Rod Brindamore has a good system working there and he has for a while now. So I think the biggest threat to the Bruins in the East is Carolina. Mm-hmm. If New York can really galvanize and being the Rangers, of course, because both of them are in this year, yeah. um, if they can really galvanize and the kids can get going on offense, because mm-hmm. I think we see Lafreniere and Kako be streaky, less so Heedle, because you know, he earned that contract extension. He's playing really well this year. I think the Rangers can be a problem and, you saw how good Igor was last year. Like they, mm-hmm. they went to the conference finals and he put on a historic season at the time that Olmark's kind of one up. But um yeah. yeah, it's the Canes and the Rangers for me in the East. I wouldn't be surprised if the Islanders can take the Canes to six or seven games, though. Yeah. Wouldn't really yeah, shock I wouldn't me. Be surprised either. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people are not gonna like that I'm gonna say this, but Toronto does kind of scare me just a little bit, just, you know, knowing that we've, they've taken us to seven games a couple times and, you know, they have obviously so much talent offensively, you know, yes, goaltending and defense is still kind of a Achilles heel for them, but I just, I don't know. I have this feeling that the second round is going to be their absolutely toughest series and they're going to get to the conference finals. Carolina is going to get knocked out somehow. You know, who knows? You know, it's obviously there's so much that can happen, but uh, Toronto's a team that just, I don't know, there's something about them this year that feels different, the way that they approached the trade deadline and just brought in all those guys. You know, goaltending, though, is still a huge question mark for them, but I don't know. They kind of worry me for some reason. The biggest thing for Toronto is going to be Tanner Janot for Tampa is not going to be healthy to start the series, and they they let go of five picks for him. So they're going to want him back as soon as possible. So if Toronto can take advantage of that early in the series, like, I don't know how long Janot is going to be up, but like that could be really huge. And like, kind of, that's kind of like a no duh type of thing to say, but like a really tough team for years now in Tampa is missing their big trade chip. And a guy who plays like a bowling ball and plays a big playoff style. Mm-hmm. that he hasn't really got to display a ton. You got to capitalize if you're Toronto. And um, more so this year than in the past, I think they added seven players at the deadline. Like, yeah. they they really have to do it. Like, I don't yeah. know if you remember last year when, like, Mitch Marner was talking to the media after they lost last year. Like, that team was broken last year. Yeah. Like, they're really 
they're really like besides themselves about this narrative about them because they always lose in the first round. Right. So if they can capitalize on Genoa out early, maybe this is the year they do it. Yeah. I'm I'm still sticking with Tampa though until Toronto, you know, finally gets over the hump. But yeah. I I can't go against Tampa. I just can't do it yet. Yeah. No. Fair enough. I mean, Janelle obviously is big, but it's like they have all those guys that have won multiple cups, and you know they are still, you know, the, the defending champs in the Eastern Conference. So you know yep. you still still have to go through them. So. You know, obviously, I feel like they're going to, the Bruins are going to end up playing Toronto if they get through. But it's like, there could be a possibility that Tampa Bay wins. And it's like, the Bruins have to be like, okay, you got to go through, you know, the the three-time Eastern Conference champions to to get yeah. further, so. True, it's going to, that's going to be an interesting series. I think the two mm-hmm. series outside of the Bruins I'm looking forward to the most are uh, Toronto, Tampa, and the Rangers and the Devils, so. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, Rangers Devils is going to be a fun series. Um, so, series prediction for uh, Bruins Panthers. People might think I'm crazy, but maybe not in a year like this. I think they're going to sweep them. Okay, okay. Yeah. Which you know, I I was talking to one of my coworkers about that yesterday, and he was surprised. So, some other people might be surprised, but. <laughs> I've maintained the stance that whether they play Buffalo or Pittsburgh or the Islanders. Or if Ottawa snuck in, they would sweep any team because I just don't think these teams match up really close at all. Maybe not the Islanders because of the Sorokin factor, but Mm -hmm. the goaltending is shaky. The defense is shaky in comparison to last year, and they really only have one big play driver. You know, that's not no slight to Verhage and Duclair and Barkov. um, But... This is a team I think they can they can feast on. And they they did it once. You know, it was a 2-2 season series, but we saw what they can do to this lineup in a game I was actually at where they won that big 7-3 win. Mm. Um, this is a team that can let up a lot of goals, but they can kind of get in track meets with you and keep up. But I don't know. I think the Bruins are going to overpower them and, uh, and sweep them. Okay. I'm going to say Bruins in five. I think Florida grabs a game somehow. Um, one of the things, though, I think that will play the Bruins' advantage in this series is that Florida doesn't really have much of a home ice advantage, and I feel like the Bruins should be able to do pretty well in that building. You know, I think of the teams in the Eastern Conference, it's Tampa Bay's building, it's Carolina's building that are difficult to play in, and that's pretty much it. Uh, You know, Florida's, you know, I don't know, people don't even know that they play don't even know that they play games half the time. So, you know, I think that they'll be pretty, pretty okay going on the road in this series. Yeah. And the one thing I'm not looking forward to this series is the worst camera angles ever. Oh yes. Yeah. Florida, just the worst. The, the arena looks dark. Oh. The camera angles are bad. The atmosphere is not good. Yeah. I think there's a good chance on the road. We see like, I feel like so many games this year we saw like, oh my God, look at all the Bruins fans at Buffalo and wherever, you know, this is Florida, but like Bruins fans are showing on a different level this year that they're traveling well and they're not going to be quiet. So I don't know. It could be like a home away from home. If um, Uh, there's a good amount of Florida uh, Bruins fans in Florida and there's people traveling for this, a team that to witness a team that's this special. And I mean, it's a good excuse to go to a ro- go on a road game if it's in Florida. So I, I think yeah. the Bruins contingent will be strong down there, but I'm not looking forward to the camera angles and I don't think I'm alone in that. In that no, regard, so. no, I don't think so. 
Um, oh, brutal stuff. But yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, as we said, Bruins Panthers series starts on Monday. We go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, so every other day. Um, so, you know, yeah, hopefully it's a series that the Bruins can get through somewhat quickly, get some rest, and then, you know, take on Toronto and Tampa if that's the case. Um, well, Mike, thanks for coming on. This was uh, great to catch up with you again, and uh, hopefully uh, the Bruins go on uh, quite a run this year. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for and anticipating. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to do this for yeah. this time every year and uh, catch up. So appreciate it. Um, any any plugs you want to do for uh, for yourself before we let you go? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Karate. Um, you can follow the uh, podcast page, the Savage and Karate Sports Podcast as well yeah. um, at Sal and Karate Pod. Um, we're on pretty much every platform too if you want to listen. So Sounds good. All right. All right, folks, we'll uh, be back with you next week.